So if you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 3 today, and we discussed uh, chapter 2 last week, verses 23 through chapter 3, verses 6, and we're going to skip a few scriptures, so at your home uh, reading, I would encourage you to read uh, 7 through 12. Uh, Basically, Jesus has uh, been doing many miracles, and great multitudes have been following him. Uh, and no matter where he goes, the demonic always shows up and they call out, you are the son of God. And he shows great authority by uh, calling them to quiet and calling them to be, uh, be quiet and not say his name. The more he did that, it seemed like the more his fame began to spread. Uh, and I think Jesus in his, in, his, in his ministry, he knew that the more the word would get out, the more that it would kind of hinder some of the work that he was called to do. But it didn't matter because uh, people were healed, people were touched, they were set free. Uh, And last week I shared about how, uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I do encourage you to listen to it, how God at at times becomes angry and grieved with us. And uh, it, it wasn't a harsh, I don't think it was a harsh message to us. It's just a warning to guard our hearts uh, against a religious spirit, against uh, acting a certain way uh, towards others. And that scripture I shared last week really grieves me every time I read it because there was somebody who needed to be touched by Jesus and the religious leaders wanted to test Jesus. They, weren't, they did not care about somebody finding him or being healed. They cared more about the religious system and how that was. And it grieves me because sometimes I think in the church, and I'm going to talk about this morning, is that our hearts get hardened over time and we don't even realize it. And so this morning I pray that I call you to this place of your first love. Um, and you know, I didn't know I would say this, but I want to say this. There's nothing like me recounting how I met my wife and fell in love with her. And, and when I share that story with people, my heart begins to flutter again. I mean, it does. 20 years later, and it still flutters when I share the story. And so I want to call us to this place of knowing Jesus and remembering where you were when he called you and what you were doing, how your life has changed. Because it does. Our hearts, we need to refresh ourselves and and begin to realize that, yeah, I'm a changed life. I am not the same in the, the Jesus that I've heard about I now know and he lives inside of me so what we're going to do first as always we're going to read through the scripture so it's kind of long uh, so if you have your bibles we'll have this portion on the screen but if you have your bibles uh, let's read together and then we're going to pray for the lord to speak to us uh, this morning we'll start in verse 13 of mark 3 and he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him, and that he could send them out to preach, and to have authority to cast out the demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James. To them he also gave the name Bonergus. Uh, That's probably really bad pronunciation, but you guys know me which means sons of thunder, 
And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And he came home and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that he could not even eat a meal. When his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying, He has lost his senses." The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. Ouch. And he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan is risen up against himself and is a divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an internal sin. Because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother? And my brothers. Looking about those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for these moments that we can gather together and worship you. And Lord, when we do sing the hallelujah, we, Lord, we mean it. All praise and honor belong to you. And we're asking for your grace this morning that our eyes would, Lord, turn from, from whatever is distracting us, from whatever we have held as more important than you. We pray that those distractions would go away and we'd be able to see you and hear from you this morning. So Lord, would you speak to us your word? And Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts to understand that we may turn back to you and our hearts may be yours alone. So we welcome you again, Holy Spirit. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I, I titled this sermon, and, and titles aren't really a big deal, but it's Jesus' bad day. And you're going to hear why it was Jesus, why I believe it was Jesus' bad day, and if it was me, it would be a very bad day. But I want to go over three points real quick before we get into the sermon. And this is what I'm going to cover this morning. Traits of a true disciple or traits of a disciple. Second point will be Jesus' bad day, and the third is going to be caution. And this caution is going to be really, it's going to be something that we need to hear because it's real. 
And none of us, I don't think, today want to walk in eternal sin. Do you? So here's the good news today. Is that some of you probably have read this scripture of blasphemy and you've gotten scared and think, have I committed the impardonable sin? And I want to say that it is going to be really hard for you to commit the impardonable sin. But yet I want to give caution to you this morning. The unpardonable sin doesn't usually come from the outcast and the sinner. That's good news for us today. The unpardonable sin usually comes from who? The learned, the religious, and the moral people of our day. And so, caution, caution, caution. That's point number three. So you can leave now, because that's what we're covering. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes. All right. Point number one, traits of a disciple. And as we see here, Jesus went up to a mountain. And as he was up in the mountain, we don't see it here, but we see it in Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. So what we're trying to do, if you're new here or you're visiting, we're trying to use our Bibles more so we're not going to put up the Scriptures, but we want you to turn there, and I will turn there uh, also most of the time. And I don't want us to leave out these key points in the story, but remember Mark was written very concisely where there wasn't always a lot of detail and there, it isn't in chronological order. Why it was written was written for a Roman crowd by Peter through John Mark to give us what was essential for them at that time. And so the essential was, and Mark is saying, is that Jesus went to the mountain and summoned the twelve he wanted to choose, but we don't want to miss this point in verse 12 and 13 of Luke 6. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. So I want you to know and understand the concept is that we believe in the discipline of prayer as Christians. That we don't just do things flippantly and do things as we desire to do them. Now I will admit to you, and I hope you join me, there are times that I make decisions on the fly that I know are Holy Spirit anointed. And how do I know this? Because they turn out good. <laughs> and some of them turn out really bad, and I know I missed it. I know this because I spent time with the Father, spending time in prayer and in His Word. It doesn't always mean that I make right decisions. That's not what I'm saying. But there's times that we make decisions that are on the fly that you just know the Lord is in it. There are other times that we need to spend time in prayer. And take uh, Jesus' example, and it's not just an example. He is God in flesh, and if He needed to pray, we also need to pray. And He summoned the twelve, and the cool part about this is that He summoned the twelve. He called the twelve out of all His disciples for a very specific task. 
And it also says elsewhere is that he called them to sight and appointed them as apostles, a capital A apostle. Okay? And I think it's very important in the streams that some of us flow in is that there are no more capital A apostles. Okay? It's done. It's right here. But there are people that have a gift, apostolic gift, to take the word out, and I call those people crazy. <laughs> Taking the gospel to where no one else wants to take the gospel. To the most unengaged, the most dangerous parts of the world. And they are so determined to make Jesus known where it may even cost them their, cost them their lives. But here's what I don't want us to do this morning, is to be fooled. You see, so often we can just kind of separate ourselves from the Bible and say, well, that is not for me. But I want you to know that this call to discipleship is a call to all. And I'm going to prove it to you. And as I'm reading through the book of Mark, I'm seeing an observation, and it's my own, and, and I, I understand that. But as I'm reading through it, I see something very different. Why do I say, say this? Because we assume that the ones he called from the boat, the tax booth, besides the river, under the tree, or even in the tree, think they have a different call, a different reality that they live in than you and I, but it's not different than you and I. So I want to ask you this morning, is where were you when Jesus called you to follow him? And you know, remember I shared that story when I, when I talk about how I fell so in love with my wife and and I, I guess I just want to spark my heart this morning, uh, is that, that when I, I met her, she didn't know how great of a guy I was. <laughs> and I remember meeting her, and she was awesome. She could throw a football, and I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm going to have a wife that can play catch with me. But I remember, where am I going? I don't know. <laughs> But I remember praying for her to fall in love with me. And I even remember our first date. It was at Subway, because we were poor missionaries. And I remember three hours later looking up, and we were both extremely embarrassed. What were we doing in Subway for three hours? We were talking. And so I want to kind of ask you today is that, that when did Jesus walk by and say, follow me, lay down everything and come, know me, walk with me. Your whole life will be changed. It will, although we realize and, and, and the longer we walk this, that life is not easy just because we have put our faith in Jesus. Actually, it is extremely Difficult. And I love talking with 
my Muslim friends that said, man, you Christians, you, you have it so easy. You think you can just be forgiven. And I just, I share with them, it is so much more difficult than you think. And it doesn't mean that, that I'm not saved or I worry about my assurance, but it's not easy. But here's the deal. This is a call to all, is that he summoned them. He chose the 12 out of the multitude. And remember this, eventually the multitude left Jesus. Remember? He said, Unless you drink of my blood and eat of my body, they, they, they left. He said, this man is sick. And then he looks at his intimate 12 and said, are you going to go too? And I love it in, in John 6. And they said, where would we go? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Like, you have nowhere else to go. And that is a good place to be. But you see, some in the 12, and what did it say in, in verse 14? And this is a call to all. It says, he appointed the 12 so that they would what? Be with him. Traits of a disciple is that you would spend time with Jesus. That you would get to know who he is and walk with him. Talk with him on life's merry way. And there's a song that goes like that. But that's what it is. He's calling them out and he's saying, know me, be with me. And why was the other portion that we want to skip, that we can't skip, is that he could so that he could send them out to what? Preach the good news, to proclaim the gospel. Here's the deal. I really think we have gotten church terribly wrong. And here's the problem. Is that I don't have the answer. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit to one, hopefully soon, is to move the church to the place that it needs to be. You see, how have we got it wrong? We think that because we sit in our pew, and I didn't know I was going here, I really wanted to be so gentle with you this morning. I really did. That's my heart for you. We sit here this morning, and we act as if this is it. I've done my religious duty Maybe the pastor has preached a good sermon. Maybe Jed hasn't missed a chord. And Man, that was really good. And then we just go about and we don't know Jesus. You see, I have been, like many, have come wanting to be set free from my sin and from my bondage. I've come forward and gotten prayer time and time again and walked away and nothing has changed. I will tell you where my life has changed is when I have been intimate with Christ in His Word and through prayer, my life has been changed. I'm not saying we don't need this this morning. We need to come together on Sunday morning to encourage, but listen, this is where we get lulled into sleep is that we think this is it. 
And then it gets really weird. He gives you power to cast out demons. Now, we could say this, well, that was for the capital A's, not for the little A's. But listen, did you know if you are truly proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people are being set free from the demonic realm. Right? Because we have been called from the kingdom of what? Scripture, darkness into what? The kingdom of light. So when we proclaim Jesus Christ, we are actually setting people free. And then there might be times, yes, Western world, that we face the demonic. And that we better know Jesus. And I will tell you this, I pity the person that says, I'm going to take on Satan. I pity you. Why? Because I'm going to have Jesus fight for me. Jesus promises that he goes before me. And so when I do face the demonic, and surely if you are walking out the will of God, you will face the demonic. You have one that is fighting for you, and you have all authority. But listen to this. I I have to share this with you, is that you have authority from your relationship with him. I remember this early days in the ministry and discipleship and sharing with others and I got the revelation myself in my own heart is that, and, and I, I understand now somewhat of what it is to run on empty and what it is to run on full. But this is where it comes down to and I think I'm going to have Kyra put it on there. Our ministry and calling, I think I left this for her, our ministry and calling should always be an outflow of our relationship with Him. Let me say that again. Our ministry and calling should always be an outflow of our relationship with Him. We are never doing anything on our own or our own ambition. And I've shared this with you before. Go to Isaiah 61. And I'm very emphatic about this. Is that this was Christ's calling. And too often we take it upon ourselves to say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And we forget, oh yeah, I got I got Where's Christ? But listen. The Spirit of God does not come to you outside of glorifying Christ Jesus. There's no way. So this ultimate is a fulfillment of what Christ done. But what happens when He calls us to join Him? And this is what happens. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. I was a prisoner one day before I knew Jesus and held captive, brokenhearted. But now that I know Him, I am to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that He may be glorified. And I don't know about you, but this has been a really, really fun season in history to live in in this world. But I tell you what, Jesus has not changed. So I want to challenge you is to know Him. Spend time with Him. Proclaim His words to whoever will listen. And you have authority to bind the enemy. Okay, and I, I want to also say this. I love Christianity because of this very, very aspect. Is if you notice the 12 that were called, one was a betrayer. Why didn't they leave out Judas Iscariot? Because we're not playing games here. We realize that this is a dangerous calling. And I love that about Christianity because it's good for me and you. Good news is because God can take the imperfection, uh, imperfection and use it for His glory. And I even believe that although Judas Iscariot was predestined to, to do what he did, is that, that he even had a chance to turn back to Christ. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, because of Jesus' bad day. So point number two. If I was Jesus in this instance, I would head for the hills. And I do head for the hills quite often. And that's why I wanted to start out with this Psalm 37. And where, G, where we are comforted with the words of the psalm that says, don't fret, don't be angry at those who speak against you. Because it does not bring about God's righteousness. And if I was Jesus, I would have been telling everybody... Where, yeah, anyway, I'm a good southerner. We don't cuss. Uh, but let's look at Jesus' predicament. In verse 20, his own people heard of this. In verse 20, that the crowds were so much that they couldn't eat even a meal. And his own people heard of this, and they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying he has lost his senses. Now this word here for own people, some translations will use family, some will use friends, and some 
We use kindred. But I think we can kind of put it down to a certain point. It could be relatives, potentially. But I think it is, is acquaintances. I think it is his friends. And they heard this, and they came to take him. Came to say, you have lost your mind. Okay, and it gets even worse. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul. And he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. All right, at this time, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm getting my boxing gloves. Well, forget the boxing gloves. Let's just go. And you know what we see here? And this is why I call it Jesus' bad day. How would you handle this? Your friends, your family think you're crazy. And then the religious show up and say, you're a fool of the devil. And you cast out demons by the devil. How would you respond? I would begin to question what's going on here. Am I really the true crazy one? Because we know in life that when everyone around us is in complete agreement, something is amiss. And even so much so that his mother and his brothers, right, in 31 through 35, arrived standing outside, sent word to him to call him. And I'm sure his mothers and brothers were saying, Jesus, you are ticking off religious people. Stop. You're making this, and I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of chosen on us. Uh, is it, I'm sure they had all these thoughts. And we need to talk some sense into my son and brothers. And that's what the Eastern culture does. They do use relatives to speak to family members. And it's quite unique, a lot different than we have here in the Western society. And the pressure must have got big and huge on Jesus. But listen, Jesus knew who he was. You see, our problem is, and my problem is, I'm right with you, is that we have an identity crisis. That we don't know who we truly are. So when people come, and they will come, and they will say things to you, it just really throws you off. And that's why I say Jesus' bad day is like, I have a really bad day when people begin to throw their arrows. And if I could for a moment, and, and I really try to, a lot of things get, uh, get me upset. And one of the things I've learned in the last two years is that there's this word called narrative. And I wish I could, you know, write it out for you in bold letters in the narrative is what everybody else around you is saying. And I want to control that narrative. And how do I try to control that narrative? I get angry. That's for me. 
And then I begin to push and shove, and I begin that I want my way and, and I, or the highway, and, and it just becomes really tough after a while because nobody's listening. Oh, except my Facebook friends. And, and I, I, you guys, I, I'm not saying that to anybody. It's just, it's just, if it hits you, let it hit you. But I realize this about myself is that I want to control. And you know what? I've learned this about myself. I learn it about a lot of others that we all long for control. And when we have no control, it sets us all to a sort and it gives us a bad day. But I want you to know that Jesus has everything under control. So the next time Everybody begins to talk and say something. Ask yourself, Jesus, is this really you or is it not? You see, I remember when I had the call to missions. And we were called to go to Turkey. And it was tough. We wanted to go somewhere where Nobody was, it just the church wasn't flourishing and there's a lot of opportunities to reach the unengaged. And I remember looking around us and everybody around us was raising support. They were already getting, our teammates were already on the field and me and Alyssa were raising two small kids. We, we just weren't raising funds like we should. And we began to question like, is this really you, God? And I even had friends, one of my best friends, and I still love him, said to me, maybe you should, maybe this isn't God's calling for you. And then I had family saying, the America needs you. You need to stay at home. Wait, 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 there's a church on every corner. Huh. But then it gets to play on your mind and then even some people in your lives would say, if you're not going to be able to raise that support, you need to think about a different calling. And those words hurt. And you see, I am a believer when everyone around me is saying something, I better listen. I am a believer in that. Because there's wise counsel and many counselors, but they need to be trusted counselors. Okay, I want you to know that they need to be trusted people in your lives. But I remember this great mentor of mine, and he's still a mentor. He pulled me to the side and said, you know what? What do you need to do as if you were going to go to Turkey? And so he walked me through a progression of saying, you know what, you need to get this in order, you need to get this in order, and you, nothing had changed in my life. I said, I agree with you. And I didn't do it out of a rebellious spirit, I just did it out of, I need to know God's will. And three weeks later, I kid you not, our mission leader from Turkey calls us and says, we know that you haven't raised all your support, but we think it's time for you to come. We were in Turkey a month later. You see, Jesus' bad day does not always have to define you. 
is we need to be able to listen to Him and hear Him and go out because that is what we have been called to do. Okay, but I want to talk about Jesus' bad day. Are you hanging on with me? Just hang on with me just for a few more minutes or another hour. Is this is the caution point. And I'm not going to call anybody out this morning. You see, what happened is they said, Jesus, you're full of the devil. Can you imagine the Son of God coming and being ridiculed by the very ones he came to save? And before you look at them, look at you. Because all of us are in that boat. We don't, whether we realize it or not. But here's what they did is they said, look, you are full of the demon. And Jesus gives them this parable and he says, we all know it very well. Uh, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. If Satan is risen up against himself and is divided, it cannot stand, but he is finished. But then Jesus has the audacity to say this in the parable, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. I want you to know Jesus is making a declarative statement here. I am the one who is binding the strong man. I am the one that has come to destroy the works of the devil. And I call this the breakthrough of the kingdom of God into earth. And I don't know what they knew what to say. It made them very angry. And then it gets even deeper and the caution is for us. And, and, and we won't go there because of the time this morning. But remember in First Peter, when Jesus was reviled, he reviled back. Let me say that again. When Jesus reviled, he reviled back. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. When Jesus was ridiculed, he ridiculed back. No. He did not. He stayed what? Silent. You see, on my bad days, I want to scream out. I want to get angry. I want to say, hey, stop talking about me this way. But Jesus gives us the example that he did not talk back, yet he was God in flesh. But here's the deal. You want to know the unpardonable sin, and I, I want to share this with you because this is a time for us push pause is by them saying Jesus had an evil spirit they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit 
And you know what Jesus said in other accounts, and that's why you should read all these accounts of the same story, is it said, you can blaspheme the Son of Man. He said, you can blaspheme me and it will be forgiven you. And I'm like, I think I wrote my notes, doggone it, Lord, those people that criticize me, just get them. I'm like, no, they'll be forgiven, shucks. But then I wrote right after that, oh, how many people have I talked about behind their back? How many people have I criticized? And I am condemned. Thank you, Jesus, that I can be forgiven of even criticizing my own brother and my own sister. Thank you. But you will not forgive when I speak against the Holy Spirit. So here's the caution for us. Is that when you start calling out movements as demonic you should be extremely careful. When you call out ministries and you call out people and saying they are not of God, you have to be extremely careful. Because we don't want to be in the place of blaspheming what God is doing. I'm not saying every movement is of God, but we sure better be careful of who we are calling out and why we are calling out. Let's take the wise word of an old religious leader and and then then I promise you we we will end. Acts chapter 5. We're going to look at Paul's mentor, Gamaliel. And I don't think he knew what he... I guess, I think he laid a foundation somehow for Paul, I I believe. I don't know, it doesn't say it, how it works, but you hear his words right here, and so I want to read this to you. In Acts chapter 5, verse 33, and they're talking about what to do about these crazy disciples. What do we do with these men that are doing miracles? And here's what Gamaliel says. He says, but when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. They wanted to kill the disciple. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. Remember, for some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him, but he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Listen, movements that are not of God will come to nothing. You cannot control the narrative. After this man, Judas... After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. But he too perished. And all those who followed him were what? Scattered. Came to what? Nothing. 
So in this present case, Gamaliel says, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of man, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may even be fighting against who? God. So listen, cautious, cautious, cautious. This is a, is a warning. Is be careful how you speak about others. So I want to end here and Jad, Jad, come save me. Or come save them. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm assured this morning. Let's talk about assurance of salvation. No, just, I want to apply this. How can we apply this to our lives? And I want to simplify it to this. These very key principles. Press in to know Jesus. Press in to know Jesus. And some of you are asking, well, how can I do this? I am telling you that you need to spend time daily in His Word in prayer and meditation. Meditating on His Word day and night in prayer. To know Jesus. Second is, is that you go and you be a witness for Christ. Don't get fooled into thinking that these pews were meant for you. These pews do not have your name on them. Go and proclaim the good news to everyone you know. And the third is you have to remember this, that God is in complete control. Complete control. Remember, we start off the book of Mark as the good news is that God is in control. He is here to save His people. So go and be an ambassador for Christ and call people out of darkness into His marvelous light. And I will tell you, this isn't easy, it's messy. But if we want to see the world change, that's how we're going to see the world change, is that we were called to proclaim. So as you go this week, I want you to think about where you were when Christ called you. Who proclaimed the good news to you? It may not have had an effect at that time, but eventually it did. Who was that person? And today for someone in here, I I pray that it was me. I pray that something that was said through the Word is drawing you to relationship with Jesus Christ, to know Him and to make Him known. To set you free from your guilt and your shame. And to be revived. See, we always act like these messages are for the sinner, but I believe they're for the saint. We need to be revived. So stand with me. We're going to pray together. We're going to end in worship. And as we did last week, we'll have the same do here today, is that 
that if you want time of prayer and you just need to spend time with Lord, you, the Lord, you want to respond to the sermon, here is open, the pews are open to kneel, to pray, to spend time. And if that happens, I just ask that everybody would be mindful of that and allow people to pray. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that even on what I would call your bad day, you stood and you did not relent. And Father, and if, we're, if we admit before you today, if people were to tell us that we were demon-possessed, if we had lost our senses, if we were crazy, Lord, many of us would go into a shell and go into hiding. But Jesus, I pray for holy boldness within each and every one of us. That you would allow us the grace to know you, Jesus. And to make you known. And we cry out to you today for help. We cry out to you today for mercy. And we look to you and you alone. So Jesus, would you come in our midst as you are already here and would you do your work by your Spirit in our hearts today. And we say thank you and hallelujah in your name, Jesus. Amen.